You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot and blemish. Redemption is a free gift from God, but it's the most costly thing in the world. It cost Jesus his death on the cross. But praise God, through Christ and his precious blood, we can be redeemed, forgiven, and forever changed by God's power. Turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. I didn't know where I was going when I started this series. Uh, I didn't even know it was going to be a series. I didn't know which way I was going, but it, it, God just seems to be unfolding to me where I'm going in the messages that I'm preaching. A couple of weeks ago, I preached on what it, uh, this, this was a confession that we made, that in Jesus Christ, I am, I am completely forgiven by God and all of my sins are gone. So the confession was in God through Christ, I'm completely forgiven of all of my sins and they're gone. God remembers them no more. Talking about a believer. Then I came back last Sunday and talked about another confession about who we are in Christ. Not only that we're completely forgiven by God, and our sins are gone, but how that we have the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. That God not only took our sin and placed it on Jesus, but God took Jesus' righteousness and placed it on us. So we're at that point that we have two confessions of our identity in Christ, that we're completely forgiven by God, our sins are gone. Number two, that we're perfectly righteous in Jesus Christ, that is a gift of God. Now, the Bible speaks clearly about that. You know, in Hebrews chapter 9, there, there's a great passage that talks about why we could be completely forgiven. It's, it's Hebrews chapter 9, and it's um, verse uh, 12. Now, listen to this. Hebrews 9, 12. This tells us why we can say, I am completely forgiven by God. My sins are gone. It says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place, the holy of holies in heaven. He entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption for us. If the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. Now listen to this. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. When we come before God in repentance, acknowledging our sin, acknowledging our, that we deserve the wrath of God and the judgment of God, but we come in repentance with a choice in our heart brought by the Holy Spirit to turn and to go in another direction, when we repent of our sins and place our faith in the finished work of Christ, we're completely forgiven. And then what about uh, having the perfect righteousness of Christ? That, first, that great verse in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, he made him to be sin for us, Jesus, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness 
of God in him. Then that great verse over in Romans chapter 5, I think it's verse 8 that says, we've received abundance of grace. It's verse 17, Romans 5, 17. We've received abundance of grace, listen at this, and the gift of righteousness. And we reign in life by one Jesus Christ. You know, for you to be an overcomer, for you to live a victorious Christian life, for you to be what Jesus redeemed you to be, you have to know who you are in Christ. You have to possess the possessions that God has already given us. There's far too much ignorance, and there's almost total ignorance in religion about who we are in Christ. It's who we are and what we can do. That's not it at all. The whole message of the Bible is, is that who we become in Christ when we repent of our sins and have faith in him. But I want to move on to a third truth that talks about our identity in Christ, and that is this. And it, it really should have been the first one. But like I said, I didn't know where I was going. You say, well, that's not the first time. But at least I didn't, you know, I know where I'm going now. Here's the next confession. I am a child of God. Now think about that. I am a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. See, you can go from there. I'm a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. I am completely forgiven by God and my sins are gone. And I have the perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're beginning to understand your identity in Christ. And it's like you're putting on the whole armor of God so that you can do battle in the spiritual realm. Because I want to say this to you. You know it. You know it every day of your life. You experience it. We are in a spiritual battle. I want you to know that. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We have the enemy of the world, the flesh and the devil. And I'll tell you, this world system is a system of darkness. And you talk about difficulty. You talk about a battle to live a righteous, godly, holy life in a wicked, sinful world. It's never been more difficult. But see, it's who we are in Christ that enables us to overcome the world and overcome the flesh and overcome the devil and enables us to be the person that we ought to be. It's not us, but it's Christ in us. Think about it. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. First John 3, 1 through 3. Listen to these words. Man, what a, what a tremendous truth. It says, I want to read it exactly as it is, so I'll turn over there. It says, Beloved, all right, I'm going to keep looking until I find it. It's in the New Testament, by the way, y'all. If y'all having trouble finding it, I'll help you in a minute. All right. It's 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. It's on the screen. I'll just read it off the screen, okay? Now, look, look at this verse. Listen to what it says. I'm talking about we're a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. It says, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us. <laughs> we're foreigners. We're strangers because it does not know him. You know, the marvelous truth that we're the children of God. And it goes on and says, 
in the next verse, 2 and 3. But beloved, now we are we the children of God. Now. It says, behold, now we're the children of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as we is, as he is. All right. So let us just talk about uh, what it means to be a child of God. What kind of got me thinking about this was um, that thing I read by Andrew Murray. It was over 100 years ago, Andrew Murray uh, wrote this. And I came across it in one of his devotionals. And I think we have it. If we do, we'll put it up on the screen. And if we don't, I'll move on. But do you think we got it? Uh, I told Ed we needed it. And, uh, and we'll uh, see if we got it. But it's just what he said. It was Andrew Murray's confession of who he were, was in Christ, his identity in Christ. Well, if it comes up, we'll go back and look at it, okay? All right, here's the first thing. We are a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, here's the question that we have to answer. And if you get this wrong, everything else is wrong. If you get this right, everything else is right. Here it is. How do you become a child of God? How do we actually become a child of God? Now, hear me carefully. God is the creator of all people. And God loves all people. So you don't need to understand that God said, I'm just going to have this special group over here, and I'm going to love them and bless them. No, you need to understand that God is the creator of all people. And he created every individual in his image. Of course, it's been marred and menaced by sin. But God is the creator of all. And as creator of all, he loves all people. All right, we got the words of Andrew Murray. Let's look at them. All right, this was his confession a hundred years ago. Great man of God impacted his world in which he lived. Books were written, uh, uh, translated into 10 languages. He said, Lord Jesus, thou art mine. With all thy fullness, he uses the kind of the language of that day. Lord Jesus, you are mine. With all your fullness, you're mine. And I can say this, thy blood is mine. It is atoned for all, yea, all of my sins. Thy righteousness is mine. Thou thyself art my righteousness. Jesus, you're my righteousness and makes me altogether acceptable to the Father. Thy love is mine, yea, in all its height and depth and width is thy love mine. Oh, Jesus, your love, it is the habitation in which I abide. It is the very air that I breathe. All that thou hast is mine. Thy wisdom is mine, Jesus. Thy holiness is mine. Thy light is mine. Thy glory is mine. Thy Father is mine. And the simplicity of faith that depends only on thee. Listen to what he said, Murray. He says, God be praised. Jesus, with all his fullness, is mine. So, we're child of God in Christ. We're forgiven in Christ. We're righteous in Christ. Well, our question is, how do you become a child of God? We all are created by God and he loves us. But not everybody's a child of God. 
So how do you become a child of God? It is very interesting that the first thing that has to happen for us to be a child of God is we have to be reconciled to God. You say, well, why, Brother Fred? I mean, God created us. Now, what is it that before I can be his child, I have to be reconciled to God? Because when Adam sinned, when Adam sinned, sin entered the human race. And the sin of Adam was passed down to every one of us, not only because of Adam's sin, but because we too, as a result of Adam's sin, have chosen to sin. You say, well, it's not right for God to hold me accountable and to punish me for Adam's sin. Well, we'll just forget about that, but what about your sin? (laughs) You see, we're all sinners by nature and by choice. You know, I I, I realize that. For example, over in Romans, uh, I think it's chapter 3, I'm just not even going to try to go look over that. I know I'll just quote it. Here's what it says. If by one man's disobedience, Adam, all men were made sinners, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So what he said, in Adam's disobedience, we became sinners. It was passed down to us. Everybody was born with Adam's DNA. You know, it used to be that they would identify you by your fingerprints. You understand? Now they identify you by DNA. I have no idea what it is, but it works. It works. So we had Adam's DNA. Everybody has a DNA. But when we come to Christ, we're not in Adam anymore, but we get the DNA of a child of God. And so the reason I'm saying this, we cannot be a child of God until we're reconciled to God. And how we reconcile. Number one, we have to recognize our sin. Romans 3 says, there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone has gone to his own way. It says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so we realize that our sin has separated us from God. And in order for us to be a child of God, we have to be reconciled to him. That's what Romans, I mean, 1 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5, 19 says. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not charging their sins against them. So the way you become a child of God, recognizing your sin and that it separated you from God, you come before God in repentance. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You turn from your sin by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you turn to Jesus for your salvation. So when you're reconciled to God through repentance and faith, then you can become a child of God. All right? In Galatians chapter 3, verses 24 through 28, I want you to listen to this. Galatians chapter 3, verses 24 through 28, it says, hear me carefully. Verse 26, I'm going to go to t- verse 26, Galatians three twenty-six. For you are all children of God by going to church, by being baptized, by doing good works, by being religious, by doing the best you can, by turning over a new leaf. No, you're all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you become a child of God. 
we're all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And look what he says. When you get into God's family, the ground is level. There are no big shots, no little shots, no shots at all. I mean, it's, the ground is level in the family of God. Listen to where it says. For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. He says in verse 28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. You are all one in Jesus Christ. And if, Abraham, if, Christ, if you're in Christ, you're Abraham's seed. Now, so we understand that you become a child of God by repentance of sin and per, by turning to Jesus Christ and Christ alone for your forgiveness and your salvation. Now, you know what it says? How, how did you get into your earthly family? You were born into it. You were born into this human race. You were born physically. But guess what? The way you become a child of God through repentance and faith in Christ is you're born spiritually. You have a spiritual birth. In John chapter 1, uh, there's a great passage that talks about that. Look down in verse 10. Or if it's on the screen, you can look at it. Listen to what it says. Now, I'm talking about how you become a child of God. It says here, he was in the world, Jesus was. The world was made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. He was in the world. The world was made through him. And the world did not know him. Listen to this. Verse 11. He came to his own, the Jews. And his own did not receive him. Oh, but look at the next verse. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God. But when you receive Christ, you get the power to become a child of God. You believe on his name. Oh, but look at the next verse. Which were born not of blood. What is he talking about? Nor of the will of the flesh. Nor of the will of man. You were born of God. He says, listen. Jesus came into this world to save, seek and save those that were lost. He came to his own, the seed of Abraham, and they did not receive him. But as many as receive him in repentance and faith, it gives you the power to become a child of God. And you're born, listen, not of blood. You say, have you ever heard, have heard people say this? Well, are, are you a Christian? And that can mean anything. But what you're basically saying, are you saved or you're a child of God? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm a Christian. Uh, my grandfather was a preacher. What's that got to do with it? My mama was a great Christian. Well, good. It says here, we're not born of blood. You're not born. Remember, your family could be saved, but that doesn't mean you're going to be saved. You don't get to become a child of God through human birth. It says we were not born of flesh. Look at the next part of that verse. Nor of the will of the flesh. It's nothing you can do to save yourself. See, that's why all the glory goes to God. That's why, and that's why it is so offensive to the human being. You see, we want to do it, and we want to get credit for it, and we want to say what we achieved. Nobody will have anything to boast about when they stand into the presence of God. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. And we're not born, uh, we're not born of, of, of blood, human descent, 
We're not even born of the will of the flesh. There's nothing you can do apart from the grace and mercy of God to save yourself. Look at the next thing. We're not born of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. There's nothing organized religion can do to save you. Nothing. The will of man is man gets together and organized religion, and they say, well, salvation is in the church, or salvation is in baptism, or salvation is in good works. Listen, listen, there's nothing religion can do to born you into the family of God. Nothing. Well, so what does it say? We were born not of blood, human descent, or of the will of the flesh. There's nothing we could do, nor of the will of man. Nothing organized religion can do, but we're born. But look, you're born of God. The miracle of the new birth. That's the way you become a child of God. It's through the miracle of the new birth. So you turn over to John chapter 3 and look at verse 5. And Jesus talks about you got to be born again. Now, we've heard that, you know, most people ain't got a clue when you say, have you been born again? Don't ask them that. They ain't got a clue what you're talking about. I remember there was a guy that ran for president, and he ran on the theme that he was born again. He got elected. I still don't know how he got elected, but I'm telling you, he didn't have a clue. And I don't even have to tell you who it is, and I hope you don't know, because I don't think I'm criticizing him. But anyway, Jesus said in verse 3, John, John, you know, Nicodemus says, talks about, Master, you're from God. No man can do what you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Truly I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, Nicodemus didn't know what in the world to think. So he asked the logical question. Nicodemus said, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? What do you mean, Jesus? I've got to go back and be, get in my mother's womb and be born? He said, no. Then he goes on and says, Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you're born of water, physical birth, and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now listen to what he says. That which is born of flesh is flesh, human birth. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel, Nicodemus, that I said to you, you must be born again. He said, listen, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You know what he said to Nicodemus? There's no way you're going to understand what it is to be born of the Holy Spirit, to be born again, any more than you can understand the wind where it came from, where it's going. How it, how, hey, he said it, it's, a, it's a supernatural thing. Listen, you can't join the family of God. You have to be born into the family of God. There has to be the miracle of the new birth. You repent of your sins, place your trust in Jesus, and you have a new birth. You are born again. You are born of the Spirit, and you become, at that moment, a member, a, a child of the living God. It's only by the new birth that you're born into the family of God. You know, everybody has two birthdays. Every Christian has two birthdays. The day of physical birthday. That was the day you physically came into this world. You were born of blood. You were born of the flesh. You have a physical birthday. But every, every Christian has a spiritual birthday. The day you were born again spiritually. 
when Christ in repentance of sin and faith, Christ came into your life and he came to live inside of you and you were born again by the power of the Holy Spirit and you, you, you were born at that instant into the family of God. At that moment, you became a child of God when you experienced the new birth. Okay. So you've got to be born into the family of God. Well, you say, um, all right, Brother Fred, I know how you become a child of God now. But now, what are the blessings of being a child of God? Listen, I could take the whole uh, New Testament and tell you what all of them are, but I'm just going to tell you about three or four uh, because I've got um, enough material here to preach two more weeks, so I'm just going to quit when I get through of this part. All right, listen to me. What are the blessings of being a child of God? Man, it's a tremendous blessing. You're in God's family. Here's the great blessing. First of all, you're a child of God now. Well, I know one thing. I'm trusting Jesus. When I go to heaven, I'm going to be a child of God. Absolutely not. The day you're born again, the day Jesus came to live in you, at that moment, you became a child of God. And you've been a child of God ever since the time Jesus came into your heart. He's never left. Here's the second thing. God gives us the assurance that we're his children. You know how he does it? Well, these are two great verses. Romans 8, 15, and 16. Man, I, I'm telling you, listen to you. God gives us assurance that we're his children. Now, God is the creator of all and loves all. But he's only the father of all of those who've repented of their sins and placed their faith in Christ and have been born again and their new creation in Christ and their child of God. But in Romans 8, 15 and 16, it's a tremendous thing. It says, uh, for you did not receive the spirit of fear, the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Now listen to this, by which we cry, Abba, Father. You know what God does? When you, when you get born again, when Jesus comes to live in you and you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you he's no longer, well, that God up there, that impersonal God, that God out there somewhere, that God that is powerful. No, 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 no. He sends a spirit in our heart and we start calling him father. We start calling him father. We did not receive the spirit of bondage to fear. We've received the spirit of adoption where we cry, our father. Wow. When you're in the family of God, God's not only your creator, but he's your father. The amazing thing that God becomes our father when we're born into the family of God. And it goes on to say in the next verse, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. The blessing of being a child of God, you're a child of God now. God's Holy Spirit in you begins to say, our Father. You begin to realize that God is your Father through faith in Jesus Christ. And His Spirit bears witness with you. Hey, you're a child of God. You belong to God. His Spirit bears witness with us that we're children of God. All right. Here's another blessing of being a child of God. We're a child of God now. God gives us the assurance right now by sending his spirit in our heart that says our father. 
But you know, Christ comes to live in us. God actually comes to live in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. In other words, before God is creator and he's up there and you're down here. But then through repentance of sin and faith in Christ, you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and he comes to live inside of you and it's not God up there, it's God in here. And the blessing of being a child of God is the presence of God in our life. You know all those verses in the New Testament that are given to Christians, children of God? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.21. Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ. He lives in me, and to die is gain. I love Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ lives in me. Hey, listen, to be a child of God is to be a child of God now and to have the witness of the Spirit that causes us to cry, our Father. And it's the awareness that God has come to live inside of me. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God has come to live in us. Jesus has come to live in us in the person of of the Holy Spirit. You know, we, 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 we had it all wrong. The Bible didn't. Some people think that Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead to get us out of earth into heaven. That's a byproduct. You know why Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins? You know why? And rose again? Not to get us out of earth into heaven, but to get God out of heaven inside of us. That's what salvation is. It's a new birth. The Spirit of God comes to live in you, and you're born. See, salvation is to get God out of heaven. There was a book written by a guy named Schugel called The Life of God and the Soul of Man. little small book. Wesley read it and was gloriously converted had tremendous impact on Whitfield and caused a great awakening. When they began to preach, hey, it's not God up there and us down here being religious, trying to get to God. It's God coming to live in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. The blessing of being a child of God. You're a child of God now. His Spirit bears witness that you're a child of God and you cry, Abba, Father. But it is the presence of God in our life. The last thing is this. It means that uh, as a child of God, God is for us. He's for us. And nothing can separate us from him. Nothing. For we all love that passage over in Romans, don't we? Romans, the eighth chapter. Man, if, you, if this gets in you, boy, you, 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 when the devil attacks you and when the world tempts you, and all this comes against you, man, you, 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 know, you know your position and identity in Christ, and man, you're able to overcome. Now, I want you to listen in Romans eight thirty one. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Do you really believe God is for you? Do you mean to tell you if God is for you? I guarantee you the devil can't overcome you. If God is for you, the flesh can't overcome you. If God is for you, the world system can't. There's power 
And he says, if God is for us, and he is, who can be against us? That's what it means to be a child of God. He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with Jesus freely give us all things? Then it goes on and says, look at verse 35. Now, as a child of God, nothing can separate you from God's love and God's presence. Nothing. It says here, what can separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. Did you know most of the Christian world and the third world countries, they live in tribulation, distress, persecution. They live in famine, nakedness, and sword, uh, peril and sword. But I tell you, they're on fire for God because they know nothing can separate them. They've already made the vow in their hearts that whatever it costs them, they're going to go all the way with Jesus. And so, man, don't you know when they read that verse, what can separate us? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. And, and says in verse 37, yet in all these things, everything, we're more than conquerors through Christ that loved us. Then he goes and says, I'm going to tell you something. If you're a child of God, nothing can separate you from him and from his love. Nothing. This is what it says. He says, for I am persuaded. I'm persuaded. Are you persuaded this morning? I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, death can't separate me from him. Life can't separate me from him. Angels can't separate me from him. Principalities, powers, things present, things to come, no matter what I face, height nor depth, no other creature can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to tell you something. The most secure person in this world is a child of God in the will of God. And you talk about blessed. It is blessed to be born into the family of God. And for Jesus and for God to be our Father. Jesus Christ to be our Savior. And the Holy Spirit to indwell us. And for us to realize that He's come to live in us and that nothing can separate us from Him. What a blessed privilege of being a child of God. But you know, I got to say this, you know, because uh, God loves us, you know what he'll do? He'll correct us. You know, I never will forget when I, of course, I was raised in a good family. My mother was a wonderful Christian. My daddy was a Christian, but he didn't really grow a lot until he got older. But uh, he was a strict disciplinarian, you know, and, but, um, and I knew if I misbehaved, my mother would try to cover up for me, but my daddy would always get to me, you know. Thank God for mamas who tried to cover up for us. I remember in school one day I decided to act a little smart, so I got me a piece of paper, and I took a pencil. And you know how you could take the lead and do it? And then I put it on made two black eyes. And the teacher sent me home. And I said, your mother said, boy, you're going to be in trouble when your daddy gets home. I said, let me hide somewhere. Let me hide. Let's get it off. Let's get it off. I remember getting under the table. I couldn't hide from him under the table. But listen, just as an earthly father holds us accountable, you know a heavenly father holds us accountable. 
My, my mother and father used to say, now, you know, when they fun, punished me, I want you to know this hurts me more than it does you. I said, I don't believe that. Uh-uh. <laughs> but you know that if you're a child of God and you get out of God's will and you start going your own way and you start disobeying him, guess what? He's going to come after you. And he's promised that he's going to correct you. And if he doesn't come after you and correct you, you're not a child of God. Did you know that? Boy, I tell you, it's, I, I preached on this one time. And it went out on television when I was at Cottage Hill. And I read this passage over here. <laughs> Listen to what it says in verse 5 of Hebrews 12. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't be upset when God corrects you. Your son. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. You know, if I brought home a bad report card, I didn't always get a whipping, but I'd get rebuked for it. And he's, and he's taking a human analogy. He said, son, don't be discouraged when you re rebuke him. Listen to this. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son he may receive. Now listen to this. If you endure correction, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. And what son is there whom a father does not correct? And if you're without correction or chastisement, you're not partakers. You're illegitimate and not sons. You know, God loves you so much that as his child, when you make wrong choices, start going down the wrong road, not giving, your life's not giving him glory, your life is being, uh, 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 instead of being a testimony, is being a hindrance. You know, God loves you so much. He'll come and he'll correct you. He'll correct you because he loves you. And he will. You say, well, Brother Fred, I've been running away from God for a long time. He ain't never corrected me. You're not in God's family. God, God only corrects his children. I can't go correct somebody else's child and put me in jail. But God, I can correct my own children. I can't now. They're bigger now. But I could. You can correct your own children. And you know what God does? He corrects his children. So that we will be a witness and a testimony. And our life will give him glory. It's called the chastening hand of God. But you know why he does it? Look at verse 11. It's so practical. No chastening seems to be joyful for the present. It's not, you don't, it doesn't feel good when God's chase correcting you. No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, brethren, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. You know, what a confession in a lost world in a dark world, in a world that is not our home. We're passers through. But we're to be light, Christ in us. We're to be salt. We're to penetrate the darkness and not let the darkness overcome us. It is so awesome to be a child of God. You have been born into his family. And God is your father. Jesus is your savior. The Holy Spirit indwells you. And now, now, you're a child of God. Now you are. 
and the blessing of his presence in you, no matter where you go or what you face, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And what a blessing it is to know that no matter what we go through, life or death, prince, nothing can separate us from it. We're God's child. He loves us. Nothing can separate us. And he loves us so much that if we get off the path, he's going to come get us. And he's going to correct us. And he's going to get us back on the right path. It's an awesome thing to be in the family of God. The next time you're tempted, the next time the devil says you're nothing, you'll never be anything, God will never use you, the next time the devil just tries to put you down, make you feel unworthy and guilty and ashamed, the next time the world, the system, or the devil or the flesh attacks you, you remind them you don't understand. I know who I am. I am a child of the living God through faith in Jesus Christ. I have been completely forgiven by God and my sins are gone. And I am perfectly righteous in Jesus Christ. And you devil and all the world and the flesh can just go where Jesus tells you to go. There's no reason for God's children to live defeated lives when we have everything that Jesus is in us. No reason. How's it going with you? Do you know your identity in Christ? Do you know who you are? Are you looking to Jesus instead of to yourself? Are you looking to your heavenly father instead of yourself? 